Word of God says, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death, and when they would have come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offered him vinegar, and saying, When thou be the king of Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. For the malefactors were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answering, rebuked, listen to this, saying, Doest thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. This is all of us right here. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, listen, church. Verily, verily, I say unto you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name, and I just pray that you'll bless the message that you've been building for this church today. I pray that you'll open every heart to hear what you want to say. Father, we know we live in a time where there's many voices in the land. There's many people talking. But, Lord, help us to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit today. I pray, Lord, in this house that somebody will be saved. Father, again, I say, let somebody in this house be saved. And, Lord God, I pray for the backslidden in the house, Lord, those who might have secret sins, Lord God. I pray that you'll bring them to their face before you, Lord God, that they'll come back home, Lord, that you'll wrap your arms around them, and, Lord, give them a new robe and new shoes and put a ring on their finger and say, oh, my son that was dead is now alive. I just pray that you'll do a great work in your house. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And the church says... Hanging on these, cross, these crosses here, one on each side, is two thieves. At this point, by the time you're nailed on the cross, folks, there's no hope for you. It's over. You're crucified. You're going to agonize, and you're going to die there in the hot sun. People all over our world today are searching for some kind of hope. They're turning over every rock. They're digging in the ground. They're sending out spaceships. They're trying to find a place to sustain some kind of hope for our land. We got people depending on technology. We got people like scientists and government. They're investing billions of dollars into finding some kind of place that we can go and live. A new planet. We got places we got places all over this, this world. Organizations are doing everything they can to figure out how to download you and put you in a new body that you might live forever. They ain't figured it out yet, but they're trying to figure it out. We're in a place right now in our country and in the world where people are looking for some kind of hope. They're hoping in relationships, they're hoping in money, they're hoping in jobs, they're hoping in careers, they're hoping in sports, they're hoping in entertainment, they're hoping in everything coming and going, trying to find some kind of hope. I remember when I used to hope in all those things. 
I grew up in church. I know every lingo and every language of churchianity that you can name. I grew up, I knew about Jesus dying on the cross. I knew about the resurrection of Christ. I knew all these things. But when I got to high school, I began to listen to another voice, the voice of the devil. And I began to drift from God. And I got to a place of darkness. And you know what? I got so far away from God that I didn't care what God thought about what I was doing. I got to a place of darkness that I didn't care about the light around me. I remember walking down Hunts Fork in my life. And uh, you all I don't know what I'm talking about. You be so black, there no street lights for a long time. It'd be so black you couldn't see where he was going. That was me in high school. I was walking down a lonely road of darkness. I stepped on every snake coming and going. I was walking up on possums in my life. I was in a dark place in my life. But finally in 2008, I came home from Iraq. I went to a revival service. I told my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, I said, I got to get things right with God in my life. I've got to get it right with him. i got to come back home. He had tore me apart inside. Folks, I walked up that aisle, and when I got up there, no theologian, no educated person had to sit me down and tell me what happened to me. That night, I was born again. Nobody had to sit me down and say, this is what happened to you, brother. I knew that what happened to me tonight was a supernatural work of God. I came into that place, and when I walked up that aisle, I had a backpack of bricks on me, sin and burdens and shame and guilt. I was so ashamed of myself to be in the house of God. I couldn't even look the man beside me in the eye when I shook his hand. But when I was born again, I came back the next night, and I walked up to him, and I looked him right in the eye. I wasn't ashamed no more. I had no guilt on me. I had been saved. I had been born again. I had had something supernatural happen in my life. Thank God. I built my hope on something solid. These folks hanging on this cross here had no hope. They're looking for some hope. One of them was looking at, hey, Lord, they committed blasphemy. Get us off this cross so we can get back to our normal lives again. If you're, if you're the Messiah, get us back to normal day-to-day -day business. But then there was another one. He said, brother, we deserve to be here. We're thieves. We're criminals. We deserve to be here. But this man right here, he don't deserve to be up here. And for the very first time, you see a man turn his eye upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment, when he begged for mercy, he was born again right there on that cross. The last few moments of his life, he was born again. I'm here to tell you today, it ain't too late. It ain't too late. Some of you in this crowd right now are saying, ain't no hope for me no more. I just came because mama asked me to come. I'm just here because mama made me come. Some of you are sitting out here, ain't got no hope in your life. You just think, well, I'll just come to church and do the best I can and maybe I'll make it. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you today, if you don't have the blood of Christ applied to your life, you will not make it to heaven. There's two places that you go when you die. You either go up or you go down. Heaven or hell. In my 36 years of here on life, on this earth, and in my life, I have turned to many things, relationships and pleasures and entertainment and everything else, and I have found that I was always building it on shaky ground. I was always investing my hope on shaky ground. Parable, there's a parable that Jesus gave for that. Yeah, there was a man who thought it'd be a good idea to build his house on sand. Then there was another one who built it on a solid rock. And when the flood come and the storm come, the man standing on the solid rock over here, he may have lost a shingle or two, but he was just fine. The shutters may have fell off. He may have went through some persecution and suffering in his life, but he was just fine when the, when the flood come. He had made it rooted and grounded. He had rooted and grounded himself in Christ in something transcendent, something that goes beyond this life. 
But then there was a man over here who just invested everything he had into this temporary fallen existence. And when the flood came, he didn't just lose his shingles, he lost everything and his soul. That's where we're at right now. We got so many people right now, they may be trying to get some kind of religion going for them. They're placing their hope in something shaky. You need a relationship with a risen Savior. That's what you need. I'm here to preach to you a message. Why Jesus is my only hope. That's why I'm here today. That's why God sent me here today. Did you all notice the songs? Did you all notice the words of the songs? One song says, Jesus, my only hope. And I said, thank you, Lord, for confirming what I'm getting ready to tell them. Somebody else sung a song that said something about hope in it. The Lord has built this entire service around what I'm getting ready to tell you. Jesus is my only hope. He's my only. Listen to me. He's my only, only hope. Folks, I've been around the world or two, time or two. I, I've seen some things, and I can tell you that at the end of the day, if you ain't got Jesus, you're absolutely spiritually bankrupt. You have nothing. You're broke. The first reason this morning, if you're writing these down, that Jesus is my only hope is because of his great power. Because of his great power. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Colossians 1.16 says it was through Christ that he created the earth. We also see that the Spirit was there too. All three persons of the Holy Trinity was there. That first glorious morning when God began to create all things. It gets better than that. When Emmanuel showed up, God with us, when Jesus showed up and began to walk the land, he walked up to a deaf person that never heard a bird chirp in their life. And for the very first time, they began to hear a bird chirp. And they said, what is that beautiful sound? Jesus walked to, to, up to a blind person, never seen color in their life, just complete darkness. And then he spit and grabbed a little clay and rubbed it on their eyes, and they began to see. Jesus would walk up to a demon-possessed person, and that demon would say, Oh, Lord, have mercy. This has got to be the Son of God right here. Is it that time, Lord? Are you tormenting us now? They trembled in His very presence. I wonder how many of us tremble in the presence of a holy God. The demons believe and tremble. Do you believe and tremble? I believe we have an epidemic in our world today where we don't have any fear of God anymore. God is just like a celebrity. He just, we just toss his, the name of Jesus around like we toss around Brad Pitt. But do you realize who you're dealing with? You're, you're dealing with the Son of God. The Son of the living God. We are living in a land right now where we no longer fear God. God is something at the bottom of our list. But here's the thing about God. He's not just the top of the totem pole. He created the totem pole. You understand that? <laughs> he created all things. He created all things. And when Jesus would show up to a person who had a half-grew arm, he would just touch their arm, and they, that withered hand would just grow right out. A person who was, had leprosy, who was completely isolated from the rest of society, away from everybody else, Jesus walked right up to them and just healed them. Everybody else was scared to death to get around them. Jesus walked right up to them and healed them. Didn't care, folks. He didn't care. If you had a need, he was there. Many times our Lord wore himself out as the Son of Man. You've got to understand, he was not only the Son of God, 100% God, he was also 100% man, the Son of Man. He went to the cross as a man. 
He endured through pain and suffering as a man. Why did he do that? Because he's dying as a sinner even though he was not a sinner. He was tempted in all points yet without sin. He's dying, he's dying as a sinner so that we can walk away free like Barabbas did. Got to understand that. But more than that, he walked upon these people and healed them and did great things. But there was one glorious moment where a liquid that when we step on it, we'll sink right through it. He walked on liquid like it was solid. You see, he told, he told the ocean, he told the sea, hey, hold me up. And the ocean said, yes, sir, what else you need? And when the storms come and the boat was about to capsize and about to flip over and the disciples says, we're all going to drown today. It's over. Our fishing days are over. He told the wind to shut up and the wind said, yes, sir. Sir, what else you need? But it gets better than that. Not only did he do all these miracles, not only did he make demons tremble, not only did he do all these things, but he also climbed up on a cross and killed sin once and for all. What you saw, what you saw that day, what you saw that day when Jesus climbed up on that cross as he was killing sin on your behalf. That's why the Bible says that God can be both just and the justifier of us because he dealt with your sin at the cross so that you can walk away free and be born again and the judge himself declares you righteous. <laughs> it's better than that, church. He goes to the grave. And somebody said, well, it's over now. Nobody ever come back from the dead. It's over with. How many times have you seen somebody in a casket, somebody you love deeply? I mean, you, I mean, you just, you love these people. And you sit on that front row, you got the little reserved area for the family, and you saw your mommy or your daddy, or maybe your son or daughter, or maybe your uncle, aunt, whoever you're close to, your friend, your coworker, and you're looking at them, and you're saying, man, that person right there last week was so animated and alive. And now they're dead. I remember looking at, a, looking at a casket when I was little and seeing, seeing my grandma in there in the fourth grade. And that was when I first confronted death and seen death for what it was. And I looked there and I said, man, I wish you'd come back. And uh, my heart began to cry out and say, I wish somebody would bring her back. I, I loved her. You know, that was my grandma. She was the sweetest person ever was. And, and, and I knew that there was, that was an impossibility. It was unheard of. So these, these folks here said, well, uh, some of the enemies said, well, Jesus is dead. We can finally move on with our lives. And then some of the friends of Jesus said, he's, he's dead. We can't move on with our lives. But then he came out of the grave. And what you saw that third and appointed morning was the death of death. You saw death die. Listen, there's people in this crowd that's scared to die. You're afraid to die. You're terrified to die. You can settle that today. <laughs> you, 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 come, you can come up here today and be born again, and that fear can leave you instantly. I mean, I've stood by the bedside of Christian people, and they got a smile on their face. They're leaving this old, this old fallen existence. It's just, this place is just falling apart down here. Our worlds are caving in down here. Uh, I just say, let's just go on. Let's just go on. But we got a mission. We got something we got to do here. And when Jesus began to do all these things, and when he healed the sick and made the demons leave and flee, and he, he was crucified, and when he came out of the grave, somebody said, what manner of man is this? Who is this guy? Overwhelmed. But the greatest of all is what you can experience today. It ain't about wither hands growing back. It ain't about the blind seeing again and all that. That's coming. There's a, there's a better day coming. 
He can do it today. He can do anything he wants. But the greatest thing that he ever did is when sinful man could be born again. That's a miracle. You know how I know it's a miracle? Because I know what I was. I know what I was. Which is my next point. He's my only hope because of his great love. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You all know the verse. Y'all can quote the rest of it. Y'all know it. But look what it says. For God so loved the world. Now, when I look all you and I, I can tell you from a genuine spirit that I sincerely love you. I do love you all. But when I look at my daughter, that's a soul kind of love right there. What's the difference, brother? She's got my image. She's my offspring. That's my little girl. And I will run through hell to save her from any pain. I'll tire down any man that comes out of her. Because that's my girl. Nobody's going to touch my girl as long as daddy's around. That's just the way I am with my little girl. She's my offspring. Now, I love all you all. But when, I, when it comes to my little girl, I'll wrestle any man for her. That's my little girl. That's a soul kind of love right there. Here's the, here's, the, here's the big deal that I'm trying to get over to you. <laughs> the Lord looks down. I get excited. The Lord looks down upon each and every one of us with the soul kind of loves. Now listen, folks. There was a woman in John 4, the Samaritan woman, that everybody just kind of rejected, kind of avoided because she had a reputation. Yeah, she came out in the hot part of the day because she didn't want to hear the giggles of people talking about her behind her back. And she, she didn't want to hear the gossip going on and the laughter and everything else. So she just came out when nobody else was around. She, uh, she didn't want, really want to be seen because she, she already caught enough grief. Uh, she's already felt the shame and guilt that goes with her reputation. Uh, we know that she, Jesus points it out and says she's had five husbands and she was living with one in fornication. What, and she, is, she knows the shame that goes with that. But Jesus went right to her. Everybody else is gone. Here's what I'm trying to communicate to you. There's people in the crowd right now. You feel like God's got love for some, somebody more righteous, somebody more religious, somebody that attends church a little more than you do. Somebody that might sing the songs a little better than you, or maybe somebody that preaches the gospel and preaches the word or teaches Sunday school. Well, yeah, God's got love for those kind of people. And you might think, well, I'm just at the bottom of the barrel there. I might make it through. I might not. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that if you were at that well that day, he came right for you. Amen. The Bible says I, he, he, I must needs go. He had an appointment. That's right. Just like he has an appointment with you. God's love can reach down, down to the pit of hell for you. He can reach down to where you're at in your situation, your circumstance right now. His, his arm is long enough to reach down in your darkness and turn that light on. I remember growing up, one of the things I did to, to get through the night when I was scared of the dark is I put a blanket over my head and I pretended that the demons couldn't kill me. But you know what? That blanket couldn't do a thing for me. Well, <laughs> it was just something I soothed with. And a little nightlight and whatever. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord can come right into the room with you in your darkness and dwell with you. He can come right inside with you. He can be with you. And He can give you the great love that you're craving. The thing that God created us for was for relationships. He created us for, to love 
one another and, and to love Him. He created us for relationships. One thing that's driving you this morning is all of us want to be loved and all of us want to be accepted. We want it. We desire it. We crave it. That's why we act the way we do. When we get mad or whatever, it's because we want to be accepted. We want to be received. We want to be loved. And I'm here to tell you today that God has accepted you into be loved if you want Him. That's Ephesians chapter 1. His great love. The Bible says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. The Bible says that he pitieth us as a father pitieth his children. Cares about us. Compassionate toward us. We see in the word of God where he sings those, rejoices over us with singing like a mother cries over a child. Sings over the child. We see all these things and we see his great love. But that's something that you can experience this morning. It's not something that you got to wait on. It's not something that you got to wait around on. This is something you experience today, here in 2022. Here's this thief looking over his shoulder there at the Lord, and he just says, have mercy on me, and immediately he felt the love. He was received. You know what's best about God? He ain't like us. God loves you despite you. Let me clarify what I mean by that. We're all fallen, simple creatures. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says he died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died what? Died for us. While we were yet criminals, he died for us. We don't deserve a thing from him. Yet he loves us anyway. That's what's so powerful about the next point. He's my only hope. Because of his great grace. The Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This thief on the cross deserved to be there, and he admitted it too. Did you catch that? He says, I deserve to be here. We indeed justly, that's what that means. We're up here because we belong up here is what he's telling the other thief. We're guilty. We're guilty. He says, I'm guilty. Then he looks at the Lord and seeks out mercy. And then we see God's great grace. Do you know, remember that woman that was dragged before Jesus, caught in a very act of adultery? Remember that? And Jesus didn't toss a stone at her, didn't condemn her. Why? The law, I mean, she was guilty. I mean, the law said kill her. She knew she was going to die that day in her head. She knew it was over. But then she's drugged before him. They're trying to test him, and Jesus don't condemn her. Why? Why could Jesus do something like that? Because here in a few short weeks, he's going to be on a cross for that woman. Why is it that God can forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness? The Bible says he can be faithful and just. Why? Because Jesus is hanging there. For you and for me. That's the gospel. Jesus lived the life we could never live. A perfect, obedient life. And he died to death we all deserve to die. What you have there on that cross that day, displaying this great grace, is the judge himself dying for the criminal. You have the creator dying for the creation, which is why the next few verses we didn't read, creation starts to bow its head and it goes dark. All of creation had a funeral for their creator that day. 
We see in Revelation where the wrath of the Lamb begins to fall down on earth. The Lamb, the lamb goes to war with the earth to take back what's rightfully His, the title deed. The title deed was given to Him in Revelation 5. But what we see happening in Revelation is when His upholding hand, the Creator, the upholding hand starts to withdraw for a little bit. The sun stops shining. Stars fall out of the sky. The moon turns to blood. You know the story. That's what happens. It's, it's a hush is falling in this place this morning. It's getting real in here. Let that sink in. You, you, you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with you. Some of you are fidgeting. Some of us are starting to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the house. Let me just move on. Where is your hope? My hope is in Jesus. That's where my hope is. I've placed my hope in the relationships. I've been betrayed. I've invested in people who I thought cared about me and didn't care. I've invested in people who do care about me, but they can't be there for me every time I need them. I've invested in money, careers, jobs. At the end of the day, though, when you lay down your head to do it again, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to speak. When all the noise dies down, I remember when I was running around on God, and I laid down at night. He'd come into the room, and he'd say, what are you doing? I didn't hear him all day long because of the noise of sin. I drowned him out, just like you've drowned him out all week. And now you've been forced to sit here and hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Jesus did everything he did out of love. Everything he did out of love. Where is your hope? Is it in Christ or is it in something else? Brother.